Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Season 2 of Confessions of a New Grad. This podcast is an ongoing story, so if you haven't listened to Season 1 yet, I'd recommend starting there. Chapter 24, Brunch with the Bros. The next morning, I woke up to the sound of music. Turn that down, I heard Gemma hiss. I'm trying to wake them up, Braylon replied. I'm starving, and you apparently won't come for brunch without Brooklyn, so... The music got even louder. I opened my eyes and saw that I was lying on a king-sized bed in a large, sumptuously decorated room. Thick, expensive-looking dark curtains were blocking the light from outside, and I could hear Gemma and Braylon's muffled voices on the other side of the door. The black silk pillowcase that my head had been resting on was a little wet. I seemed to have drooled all over it. I tried to sit up, feeling disoriented, and immediately slid back down. The sheets on this bed were silk too, and it was impossible to move around without sliding toward the middle. I was just wondering what kind of bougie maniac would choose to have black silk sheets on their bed when I felt his leg brush up against mine. I looked to my left and saw a ridiculously handsome Asian guy snoozing softly beside me. Right, Steve. The events of last night started to come back to me. After Braylon had told me that he was into Gemma, I had lost what little restraint I'd had left and begun downing shots like they were water. I was happy for Gemma, who had completely hit it off with Braylon, but still, it sucked. The Apollo and Amanda situation was bad enough, and just when I'd thought I might be able to distract myself with Braylon, he ditched me for Gemma. Gemma, of course, didn't know any of this, because when Apollo had shown up, she'd been thoroughly preoccupied with the fight Lana and her boyfriend had caused. Bentley kept his distance from me after I'd snapped at him, which left me in an awkward threesome with Gemma and Braylon at the bar. I resigned myself to my wingwoman role, while Gemma and Braylon made googly eyes at each other. After at least an hour, I couldn't stand it anymore, though, and told Gemma I was going to head home. Braylon, not wanting Gemma to leave too, had conjured a friend, Steve, out of thin air, and the two of them had convinced us to stay. I'd been pretty slammed at this point, but Steve was sweet and seemed into me, and anyway, if Braylon was helping Gemma feel better about the Austin situation, I could take one for the team and stay with her. When the four of us went onto the dance floor, Apollo tried, once again, to come over and talk to me. In a wild move, sponsored mainly by the shots I'd been taking while Gemma had been talking to Braylon, I kissed Steve. It was immature, and I knew it, 
but I wanted Apollo to feel just a little bit as badly as I did. When I resurfaced from our kiss, he was gone. Steve, for his part, didn't seem to mind my throwing myself at him, and he and Braylon had invited Gemma and I to hang out at their apartment after last call. The four of us played Cards Against Humanity for a bit, but then Gemma and Braylon went into his bedroom to get something and did not return. I was pretty sure I must have passed out after that. Can you just go in and wake them up? I heard Braylon ask Gemma. I didn't hear Gemma's response, probably because she hadn't given a verbal one. I grinned, imagining the stern look I knew so well, and looked back over at Steve. Usually, when you go home with someone in the state I was in last night, they tend not to be as attractive as you thought they were at the time. But Steve was... Wow. He had high cheekbones and perfect skin. His body, which was only half covered by the blankets, was large and athletic. And now that I came to think about it, he looked familiar. Was he from Singapore too? No, that wasn't it. But still, I knew him from somewhere. Steve's eyes fluttered open, revealing glossy dark brown eyes, and he smiled at me. Morning, Brooklyn. Morning, I said, uncertainly, still trying to figure out where I knew him from. Feeling better? he asked. Feeling better? Oh no. Had I been sick last night? I frowned at him. Um... Steve looked uncomfortable, and I had a sudden, vivid flashback to him looking uncomfortable last night, when I had burst into tears after Braylon and Gemma went into Braylon's room. I really hoped I had dreamt the part where I blew my nose on Steve's shoulder while telling him that I felt like the most unlovable girl in the world. I'm so sorry, I said. It was kind of annoying trying to convince the prettiest girl I've ever seen that she wasn't a troll, he smirked. Oh, God, I moaned. It's all good, he smiled. It was just ridiculous. If you weren't so unbearably sad, it would have been kind of funny. Also, just so you know, I did offer to sleep on the couch and let you take the bed, but, um, you didn't want that? Another memory of me clinging to Steve like a baby when he tried to tuck me in and leave me in the room flashed across my mind's eye, so I changed the subject. Have we met before? Steve beamed. No, but I have dabbled in some acting, so maybe that's why I look familiar. Oh, cool. What have you been in? Mostly just a couple of small parts here and there, he said, trying and failing to look modest. Although I was in that dark reboot of Scooby-Doo that came out last year. Scooby-Doo was one of the most popular shows on at the moment, so this was an impressive accomplishment. I'd binged to the first season on my commutes to my teaching practicum. Who did you play? I asked. Oh, I was so close to being cast as Fred, but the casting director wanted someone more rugged chic since it's set in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm obviously just chic chic. I didn't know what to say to this, so I just nodded enthusiastically. So who did you end up playing? 
I was the guy whose murder they were trying to solve, he said, standing up and pulling a perfectly pressed shirt out of his closet. That was you? I squealed, impressed in spite of myself. He shrugged. Yeah, it was cool, but it was just for the one season since that character is dead and only appeared in flashbacks. What are the actors on that show like? Are they nice? He shrugged again. They keep the main cast pretty separate, so I never really got to see any of them unless we were doing scenes together. So you're a full-time actor. That's really cool. Steve laughed. No one is a full-time actor unless they've made it, whatever that means. I also work in hospitality. You're a teacher, right? Do I hear voices? Braylon called from the other side of the door. I'm coming in. You've got two seconds to shout if you're naked or something. Braylon bounded through the door and dove onto the bed, sliding off the silk sheets and onto the floor. Finally, I'm starving. What time is it? Steve asked. Nearly eleven, Braylon moaned. Oh, great. We should still be able to make our reservation then. We have a reservation? Gemma asked, poking her head into the bedroom and giving me a knowing wave. Yeah, you guys were all talking about how much you wanted to get brunch today, so I made one online last night, Steve said. Braylon blew a kiss at him in appreciation. Can I use the bathroom real quick? I asked. Of course, Steve said, gesturing to his ensuite. There are new toothbrushes under the sink if you want to use one, and here, you can borrow this too. He handed me a soft, white men's dress shirt. Thanks, I said, heading into the bathroom with Gemma. I feel like I'm in a hotel, Gemma whispered, as we shut the bathroom door and discovered a large clawfoot soaker tub next to a huge window that had a breathtaking view of the North Shore Mountains. There was a separate rainhead shower in the other corner, and everything was checkered white and black and sparkling clean. The bottom drawer of the bathroom cabinet was stocked full of disposable toothbrushes and little travel-sized shampoos from really upscale hotels that I presumed Steve had gotten through his job in the hospitality industry. Gemma and I quickly freshened ourselves up, and then the four of us made our way out of Steve's bedroom. Last night, I must have been too drunk to notice how nice their apartment was. It was a penthouse suite with sky-high windows that looked out over Science World and the mountains. Their furniture looked like it had been transplanted straight out of a designer decorating magazine, and apart from the remnants of our game of Cards Against Humanity strewn across the dining room table, everything was immaculately clean. Except Braylon's bedroom, which looked like a thrift shop had thrown up all over it. Do you guys have a maid or something? Gemma asked. She was joking, but both Braylon and Steve laughed uncomfortably, which Gemma and I understood to mean yes. Gemma raised her eyebrows at me as we made our way out of their swanky apartment building and down Main Street toward the Olympic Village waterfront. We walked a short distance to a restaurant with a large patio. The sun had come out, which was unusual for November, and there was a large queue of people waiting out front for a spot. The hostess waved merrily as she saw Stephen Braylon and ushered us toward a corner table with a spectacular view. The usual? The hostess asked Braylon and Steve. 
They nodded. And the ladies will each have a number seven, Steve said. Excuse me, Gemma said pointedly. We can order for ourselves. All right, Steve said, passing her a menu. She and I poured over it. That avocado toast sounds really good, I said. Oh, it does. I'll have that too, please. Braylon and Steve laughed. What? Gemma asked. We like avocado toast, okay? Yeah, I said. I'm sick of everyone making fun of us for appreciating avocados. They've been around for a long time. They're delicious. How has no other generation figured this out until now? Uh, we're laughing because that's the number seven, Steve said. Gemma glared at him. Well, in that case... Please just order, Braylon said. I'm going to pass out if I don't eat something soon. Oh, all right, Gemma said, good-naturedly. I glanced over at her in surprise. It was unlike Gemma to let something like that go, but I was starting to feel hungry as well, so I dropped it too. Braylon, is that you, my love? A tall, blonde, skinny woman wearing six-inch high heels and large sunglasses galloped like a gazelle across the patio toward us. Portia! Braylon boomed, leaping up. The two of them gave each other two kisses on each cheek. How are you? Closer up, Portia looked to be in her 40s or 50s, but it was hard to tell for sure because her forehead didn't move and her sunglasses obstructed nearly half of her face. Ugh. Portia threw out her hands dramatically, whacking me in the face with her large designer handbag. I'm in crisis mode. The artist I hired to do our family portrait just quit because apparently he needs to go find himself out in South America or something. And I've been running around all morning trying to find a replacement. You remember, I'm sure, how difficult it is to get my family all in one room together. And I have our first portrait sitting scheduled for next week. It's been a nightmare. Oh, well, if you need an artist, maybe Gemma can help. Braylon suggested. Gemma? I've never heard of a Gemma. Oh, well, she's usually fully booked, but I believe she might have an opening right now. Really? Portia's thin eyebrows quivered, trying desperately to raise themselves in interest. How can I get in contact? Well, lucky for you, she's right here now. We're kind of on a double date. Oh... Portia said, looking down at the rest of us. Hello again, Steve. She looked Gemma and I up and down, her puffy lips pursing into an unimpressed pout. You're on a date, did you say? Well, that's nice. Yes, Braylon said, unperturbed. This is Gemma. Her stuff is great. Here, take a look at her Instagram. He handed his phone to Portia. Portia looked skeptically down at the phone, and then her lips parted into a wide smile. Braylon, you're a lifesaver. Are you available this coming Wednesday, Gemma? I, um... Gemma stammered. I knew that commissioning a portrait for anyone, let alone someone like Portia, was not at all the type of art Gemma was passionate about making. I think I might have a shift at the yoga studio that day, so... Oh, come on, dear. What's your price? Portia asked impatiently. My price? 
Gemma looked at Portia blankly. Your price, dear, as in the amount of money it'll take to get you out of your shift and into my living room to work on this masterpiece? How about fifteen thousand? Braylon suggested. Gemma choked on the water she'd just taken a sip of. I think fifteen k is a little steep for someone with her level of experience. No offense, dear, but you have, like, three hundred followers. How does ten sound? Ten? What? Gemma asked, still coughing. Ten thousand dollars, obviously. It's a pretty big job, and I need it ready no later than the beginning of next month so that it can be properly mounted before our Christmas ball. What do you think? Gemma didn't look like she was capable of thinking. She'll do it, Braylon said. Fantastic. What's your number, dear? I'll text you my address in the contract now. How does 10% up front followed by the full amount once the project is done sound? Sounds great, Gemma said weakly. Marvelous. Well, I'm a stash. My eldest has a hockey game at Hollyburn in an hour. Portia whirled around and smacked several more people with her handbag as she made her way back across the patio. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Gemma and I sat in stunned silence. You do want the job, right? Braylon asked Gemma anxiously. $10,000? Gemma said, her voice barely more than a whisper. I'm dreaming. She thrust her arm out in front of me. Brooklyn, pinch me. You're not dreaming. You deserve to be paid that much. Braylon smiled. You should really work on your confidence, Gemma. If I were as talented as you, I'd be such an asshole. No one said anything to this. Anyway, Portia is loaded, Braylon said, stretching out on his chair. You're honestly giving her a bargain price compared to what she was probably going to pay the other guy. How do you know her? I asked. Uh, we met on the set of a show I worked on a little while ago, Braylon said, looking a little shifty. Which show? Gemma asked. It was a, a documentary about uh, the upper class women in West Van, Braylon muttered. Oh, amazing. The food's here. What was socially conscious about it? I asked. What? Braylon asked. He had shoved a large handful of fries into his mouth before the waiter had finished putting his plate down in front of him. You said you only worked on socially conscious documentaries, so what was socially conscious about documenting the lives of the upper-class women of West Van? 
Steve let out a snort. Braylon glared at him, and Steve hurriedly began eating his eggs Benedict. Well, this one was... Sometimes artists have to do the things that pay the bills in order to make money for the work that matters, Braylon said, with dignity. Besides, a lot of it focuses on the charities they run. After brunch, Gemma and I bust back to my place so that she could get her car and, of course, we talked about everything that had just happened. What? Apollo showed up last night? What was he doing there? I told her what she'd missed while she'd been dealing with the Lana situation. Gemma shook her head. Who knew a beautiful small-town Alberta boy could be so much drama? I rolled my eyes. Seriously. Also, Bentley recognized him and was asking questions. Why was Bentley asking questions? He never knows what's going on. He saw me leave with Apollo on Halloween, and then last night, Amanda pretty much introduced Apollo as her boyfriend. Ah, a snag. But don't worry about it, Brooklyn. It's not like we're all gonna hang out again, and Bentley isn't the type to delve deeply into such things. Yeah, I guess, I said, unconvinced. We can also tell Lana to tell him not to say anything. He'd never do anything to upset Lana. Lana doesn't even know about the whole situation yet. Oh, right. We seriously need to have a girls' night soon. We do, but never mind that now. You just got a job as an artist. Like, you're getting paid to make art, Jem. I can't believe it, Gemma said, shaking her head. It usually takes me like a year to save up that kind of money. You're sure I'm not dreaming right, because the last 24 hours have been unreal. Oh yeah? Did you and Braylon have fun last night? Gemma looked at me, her eyes shining. Brooklyn, I think it sounds crazy, but I like him a lot. I nearly walked into a signpost. Did you just openly admit to liking a guy the day after meeting him? I did, Gemma said, looking just as disbelieving as I felt. He's just, wow. Last night was, well, you can imagine. And even before we got home, he was so interested in my art, and we just talked about our projects for ages. And today, he didn't have to tell Portia that I was an artist, but he just put me out there so confidently. Yeah, did you like that? I asked. I knew how protective Gemma was of her art, and what Braylon had done, though very cool, was also somewhat aggressive. I didn't think I would, but I did. I mean, I've never put myself out there like that before, but I can't believe she liked my work and is going to pay me. Of course she liked it, Gem. Your work is incredible. Thanks, Brooklyn. But it's kind of like your writing, isn't it? You just don't believe it's good enough even though it is. Well, to be fair, you don't know if my writing is good enough because I've never shown you anything. It's good. Don't say that till you've read it. Do you seriously think I never snuck a peek at your laptop when you popped off to the bathroom? Gemma? 
Oh, come on, Brooklyn. You were so insecure about it. I was starting to believe it was actually terrible. So I looked a few times just to make sure you were being an insecure idiot and it wasn't actually bad. I mean, as a friend, would I be doing the right thing if I supported you in a pointless endeavor? Plus, you've seen all my art. It's only fair. You really think it's good? Yes, especially the one about the mermaids. They're badass. I totally understand that you don't want to let people read your stories until you're ready, but I wish you would. I was trying really hard to glare at her for betraying my trust, but a huge smile was spreading across my face instead. Later, when Gemma left for Lions Bay, I opened my laptop and looked up writing opportunities in Vancouver. The book I'd been working on was nowhere near done, but maybe Gemma was right and I should start letting people see my work. A magazine in the US was looking for dating stories. I looked at their social media and saw that they had over a million followers. Dating stories weren't really the kind of thing I wanted to write about, but today's events had shown me that maybe it was okay to work on things that weren't exactly what I wanted, especially early on in my career. I clicked on their website and read the prompt. Tell us a story about a fuckboy you dated. 1,500 to 2,000 words. I grinned and started typing. I finished the story in a few hours, did a quick edit, and sent it in. I wasn't expecting them to like it, so there was no point putting too much effort in, but it felt good to feel like a professional writer, even if it was just for a moment. In any case, writing about the Apollo situation made me feel a little better. The only problem came at the end because I wasn't sure how to end the story. So instead, I'd purposefully left things unresolved, but that wasn't satisfying. Stories need to end. I opened up my phone and began looking through Apollos in my texts, trying to get some insight into what had happened. That was when I saw that Apollo had called me quite a few times at around 10 o'clock last night. I must have not heard my phone ringing in the club. He'd also left a voicemail. It was crackly, and I could hear bass in the background. It sounded like he'd recorded it outside the club. Hey, Brooklyn. I've been here for a while, but I can't find you. Are you here? Look, I really want to talk to you. I think... I think you might have seen something last weekend, and I need to explain, but I guess you might not have seen, but I want to explain even if you didn't see. Please, can you just let me know where you are? The voicemail ended, and I sat there, watching the sun set over the Burrard Street Bridge outside my window. So, Apollo had gone to the club I'd told him to go to in Gastown first, and looked for me for a while before going to meet Amanda. And it sounded like he had wanted to tell me what was going on. But did that change anything? He'd still gone straight to Amanda after I hadn't replied. What if I called Apollo now, and he explained everything? Maybe that he really did care about me? Would I believe him? And even if I did, what was I supposed to do about Amanda. I'm out of breath and it shows I've been a mess and you know I I've had enough for enough and your medicine's a 
for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please give it five stars on Apple or Spotify, write a review, share it on social media, and tell your friends. Confessions of a New Grad is written, performed, and produced by me, Greta Craig. Rebecca Montgomery does cover and episode artwork, as well as editing the scripts. For accompanying illustrations, exclusive news, and extra content, you can follow the show on Instagram at newgradpodcast. You can also find more information and get in touch via our website, confessionsofanewgrad.com. Special thanks to all the musicians who allowed us to use their work in this production. You can find the soundtracks in the episode descriptions. I love interacting with you and hearing your thoughts on the show or anything at all, so please feel free to continue to reach out to me on Instagram or via the show's website. I'm falling back, falling back into your skin when I come back, I come back, no hesitance. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.